giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out. 12th of May, 2021. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about how at least some in Congress really just seem to love poverty wages. We're also going to be talking about China's vaccines and are they effective? What does the evidence show us? But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to talk about new evidence regarding the police murder of Andrew Brown in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Come to the light. I'm confident that our legal team is is more committed now to pursue justice to make sure that the memory and the legacy of Andrew Brown lives because what we saw today was unconstitutional and it was not justified. That was the voice of one of the attorneys for the family of Andrew Brown Jr., murdered in late April by police in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And that was at a press conference yesterday revealing new evidence regarding the murder. The murder of Mr. Brown briefly caught the attention of the nation coming as it did in the midst of the Chauvin verdict when mass protests erupted in Elizabeth City. The issue faded somewhat as authorities in the district attorney's office and the sheriff's department, as well as the courts, have aggressively resisted releasing body camera footage to the public and have engaged in a war of words with the Brown family over what actually took place. Now, the cops have claimed they want the footage released, but they can't do it without a court order. And indeed, that is North Carolina law, and a judge ruled that it can't be released for 30 days from his ruling. It was April 28th. But it's important to note that it's not just the issue of the judge here, even though that was ridiculous. The cops themselves have been dragging their feet and showing the video to the Brown family and their lawyers, and it's still only showing redacted footage. At first, they showed them 20 seconds. Now, they're showing them a couple dozen minutes, as it were, but nevertheless, the footage is still redacted. That being said, the expanded video that was released yesterday to the family and the lawyers, I shouldn't say released, it was shown to the family and their lawyers, as described by the attorneys and family members, is certainly explosive as it concerns what actually happened. Now, the police claim that Brown was killed as they were attempting to serve warrants related to drug activity, that he tried to flee in his car after they cornered him in his driveway. His car struck the officers, and that's why they opened fire on him and ultimately killed him. The lawyers have stated that the video definitively proves that is false, saying that he was ambushed by cops who opened fire when he was not moving his vehicle at all and when his hands were visible on the steering wheel and he was offering no threat to them at all. Lawyers also noted that the audio suggested that it would not actually have been possible for Brown to hear their commands anyway. 
Lawyers and family members counted 12 shots fired into the car. They noted that the car never moved until after the first shot and only went out of control after the second shot, which seemingly might have been a shot that struck him, perhaps the one that killed him. And, you know, it makes sense. You get shot by a bullet, you could lose control of a car. But nevertheless, they also note that none of the deputies were even near the car. None appeared to be in danger of being hit by the car and that, in fact, one deputy seemed to actually reach out for the car. So in other words, it says the police story is not what they said it was. And you add to this that the family commissioned an autopsy that revealed a kill shot to the head. When you put all this together, the picture emerging is certainly grim. All that evidence combined seems to suggest that an officer opened fire on Brown for no reason at all, and then the other cops opened up with a hail of gunfire with the intent to murder despite a lack of a threat. Well, no wonder the cops are redacting the footage as much as possible. Protests are set to continue, and the cops are sticking by their story, of course. And in about a week and a half, the footage can legally be released, and we'll be able to speak about some of this more definitively. But as of right now, all the evidence points directly to what amounts to an assassination of Andrew Brown Jr. by police down in North Carolina. One of the most contentious issues regarding vaccines has been over how effective the various ones are. And Western nations have really gone out of their way to smear vaccines being produced in China and Russia, clearly placing geopolitics over public health. Criticism of Russia's Sputnik V vaccine, however, has essentially collapsed as a range of studies have shown it to pretty clearly be, along with Moderna and Pfizer, uh, one of the three most effective vaccines. Questions about the Chinese vaccines, however, continue to linger and continue to be raised. A new study from Indonesia that came out this week regarding the CoronaVac vaccine, probably the most prominent and widely used of the Chinese vaccines, however, is casting some doubt on the doubters of the Chinese vaccines. As Bloomberg reports, quote, Indonesia tracked 128,290 health workers in the capital city of Jakarta from January to March and found that the vaccine protected 98% of them from death, 96% from hospitalization as soon as seven days after the second dose, and that 94% of the workers had been protected against symptomatic infection. Now, this is extremely effective. It puts it right up there with the Pfizer, Moderna, Sputnik V style numbers. And it is a massive difference from the results from some of the phase three trial, trials, I should say, and a Chilean evaluation of its use there. And those uh, results range from 50% to 67% effective at preventing infections. There was also a Turkish study that pegged the number in the 83% range. Nevertheless, this is far above that. And other studies that, of course, pegged the effectiveness of preventing deaths and hospitalizations hospitalization in the 80-ish percent, above 80, below 90 percent uh, as well. So in all these categories, this Indonesian study shows the CoronaVac vaccine to have been very effective, and it's the most effective information uh, that we have so far regarding that vaccine, or the, most, the highest level of effectiveness of all the information that we have about the Corona vaccine uh, so far. It's an encouraging result. Absolutely. Certainly interesting to see uh, this increase. And it certainly raises a question regarding the Chilean resurgence of the virus, which many people were blaming on the lack of effectiveness of the Chinese vaccines, CoronaVac in particular, that perhaps the resurgence of the virus is more related to the speed of the vaccination process as opposed to the lack of efficacy of the CoronaVac vaccine. 
in Brazil, where the 50% number was recorded. There's also a new study that came out this week from a town called Serana, where CoronaVac was also used among some other vaccines, and it appears correlated to a drop in serious illnesses and hospitalizations as well. The president of the Seychelles, which is using the Sinopharm vaccine, that's another one of the main Chinese vaccines, as well as AstraZeneca, noted recently that 80% of those hospitalized in his nation were not vaccinated. And he was saying that in the context of saying he felt that it spoke to the effectiveness of both Sinopharm and AstraZeneca. The WHO just authorized Sinopharm as well, pegging the efficacy rate at 79%. That's the efficacy rate in preventing uh, infections. Hungary. The country of Hungary, which is using Sinopharm, Sputnik V, Moderna, Pfizer, and AstraZeneca, stated that Sinopharm had fewer infections per 100,000 people than Pfizer and fewer deaths per 100,000 than either Pfizer or Moderna. Now, there are many reasons why there are these sort of shifting sands in terms of the different results from the country itself, to the people who were studied, to issues around comorbidities and the like. But when you look at all of the evidence together, the emerging picture seems clear that CoronaVac and Sinopharm are absolutely effective in quelling COVID-19 and can form an important part of every country's vaccination plan. Now, that's crucial because there is no way the world can be vaccinated using, vaccinated using just one vaccine at this point. And outside of a handful of countries, most countries are going to have to, and quite frankly, would be smart to, get vaccines from wherever they can as long as they're proven to be effective. Without an all-hands-on-deck approach, it's just not going to happen that the whole world will be vaccinated. Which is what makes the attacks on the Chinese vaccines so dangerous from a public health perspective. Since they are obviously effective, creating any perception that they are not means people will be less likely to use them or even less likely to use them simply because they don't want to seem like they're on the wrong side of countries like the United States who are ripping them for these geopolitical reasons. So ultimately, it means that it will result in fewer people getting vaccinated and more danger to the entire human population on Earth. So looking at these numbers, it's just another reminder That from a public health perspective, it has to be facts, not Cold War politics, that drive policy. As we mentioned earlier this week, Senate Democrats have started to echo calls from Republican governors to end the $300 a month boost to unemployment benefits that will end in September without a reauthorization. I should also add large swaths of the capitalist in America have also been calling for the end of it. That's why the politicians are calling now, too. Some states like Montana are already moving to end their involvement in the federal program, and Senator Joe Manchin has stated that he is just flat against an extension. Senators John Tester, he's from Montana, and Jean Shaheen, she's from New Hampshire, they're both Democrats, also seem open to not reauthorizing the $300 unemployment boost. This is despite the fact that the leader of the Senate and of the Democrats, Chuck Schumer, is saying he himself wants to push an authorization or a reauthorization. Now, the controversy is related to last week's jobs report, which corporate think tanks and Republicans claim showed that the benefits are causing workers to just stay on the couch chilling rather than getting back out there and working hard. Now, you can feel free to listen to our Monday show where we explain how the evidence we already have shows that that's just also flat out not true. But Given the importance of this issue, we want to provide even more information to you of how just totally false this notion really is. Now, last year, you may remember the unemployment boost was $600. At that time, 
Yale did a study to see if that amount was having an impact on people going back to work. They found very simply, quote, no evidence that the enhanced jobless benefits Congress authorized in March in response to the COVID-19 pandemic reduced employment. No evidence. The report also noted, quote, that workers receiving larger increases in unemployment benefits experienced very similar gains in employment relative to the workers with less generous, generous benefit increases. People with more generously expanded benefits also resumed working at a similar or slightly quicker rate than others did, end quote. So you got to ask yourself here, if $600 wasn't keeping people away from work, what makes you think $300 would? And here's a real interesting part of that Yale study. It mainly covered, quote, small businesses that require time clocks for day-to-day -day operations. The majority are restaurants, bars, or retail operations. The workers represented in the data set are hourly employees who earn relatively low wages, end quote. Now, why is that important? Well, that's where most of the job gains are happening right now, including in last week's jobs report, which is the exact set of numbers being used to allegedly undermine the unemployment benefits. So again, same category of workers here that this study covered last year, $600 then, same category of workers this year, $300 now. If it wasn't keeping them on the couch then, why would it be doing so now? It's clear that what is happening is that as things are opening up, there are more jobs. Workers are not using unemployment benefits in lieu of work, but as a cushion from which they can take more time to evaluate the opportunities on offer to get the best situation they can out of the job market, which is, of course, 100% logical. It's the only logical thing that you would try to get the best and most safest job you possibly could at all times, but certainly with also the heightened issue of the pandemic here being a huge issue in unemployment or employment itself. And it's worth noting, 430,000 more workers entered the job market in the last month. So more people are trying to work. And obviously, they're trying to figure out the way to do so in the safest possible way for themselves and their families with the highest possible remuneration to take care of themselves and their families. 100% logical. That, however is the issue for those who are attacking the benefits because they don't want workers to have any leverage at all over their wages or their working conditions. They want people to work for the least amount of money in the worst conditions possible so that business owners can increase their profits. It's profit over people. Everything else is just noise to distract you from that basic fact. And that's going to do it for us here today on The Punch-Out, 12th of May, 2021. Our patrons-only edition of The Punch-Out, which normally drops on Wednesday, will be out on Friday this week because of our live stream yesterday on the ongoing violence against the Palestinian people. We are a little bit delayed, but please also go back to our YouTube, youtube.com slash Breakthrough News. Check out everything we've been doing on Palestine critical situation and we've got a lot of important interviews our live stream and more that is coming so friday you will have the patrons only punch out if you go to patreon.com slash breakthrough news become a patron you'll have access to that but we will be back with you tomorrow as always 5 p.m eastern time here on the punch out from breakthrough news <laughs>